tonight uh, I have up here with me one guy that you probably know and one guy that you may not know. Uh, so I have Mr. Nathan Grieve. I would have, yeah, I would expect some kind of applause for that. And I have also uh, Mr. Mike Shaw. Some of you have met uh, Coach Shaw already this week through the chapel services. Uh, so we thought it'd be good tonight, and he agreed and, and was willing to come and to answer some questions for us so we could get to know him a little better. If you've not been at the academy, if you're not a student here and you haven't heard him, um, you should skip your school the next couple of days and come hear him preach. But in case you don't get to do that, at least you get to hear from him and get to know him a little bit tonight. Um, the first thing I want to ask you is, how, how much confusion is there over the pronunciation of your last name? Because it's not Mike Show. Is, does that ever get mixed up? Do people call you Mike Show? All the time. All the time? <laughs> I get Chow. Really? Snow. Snaw. You know, Shaw. S-H-A-W. Yeah. Yeah, they mess it up all the time. Some, all right. people, some people do it on purpose. Like when we would go to our rivals, yeah, they would, they would, they would mispronounce it they on purpose. They would butcher your name on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's Shaw. Shaw. Okay. Glad we got that uh, How about cleared up how? at the beginning. You have how put an S sound in front of it. Yeah. S L. Where are you from? Currently, where are you from? Uh, I live in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. All right. And where are you from originally? Um, I grew up in Scroon Lake, New York, up by Lake Placid. Okay. Is that where uh, Word of Life, is that where their campus Correct. is? Okay. Very good. So what do you do in uh, Clark Summit? Um, I get the opportunity. I'm the... My job title is the Recruitment and Relations Administrator at Clark Summit University. Recruitment and Relations Administrator. Okay. R&R. Good. Uh, Now, you you have been involved. In fact, I I was telling you yesterday, I actually first knew about you, met you uh, through the Teen Leadership Conference. We've had, and I, I don't think I mentioned this yesterday, but I went as a student... Um, back in like 2002 probably and maybe even I I know I went more than once I remember the exact years but we were actually there again just a few years ago with some of our own students Maddie was there and a couple others who aren't here tonight did you how what was your involvement with TLC like when were you involved and what was your role oh man Um, so I had the privilege to be a counselor back in 1989 okay and then uh, I was a counselor for a couple years, 89, 90, 91. Uh-huh. And then I, they asked me to do some workshops yep. uh, that I willingly did. And then I uh, had the privilege to be a, a main speaker for uh, 16 years. Okay. Yeah, I would speak in the main sessions and then do workshops as well did you did you speak in 2015 would you have been there that year or no I, was I, I couldn't remember no okay um so some of the names that i remember from tlc when i was in st- a student were matt pollock yes who most of us know now glenn amos uh mel walker um dwight peterson yep. tim algram yes okay ken rudolph ken rudolph yep he was one too yeah, most of us know Ken. Good. Tell us about your family. You're, you're married and you have children. Tell us uh, their names and, and uh, who you live with. Uh, um, I met my wife in college. 
She was a freshman when I was a senior. We got married June 25th, 1994. So we've been married for 25 years. This 2020 will be 26 years. Um, we have six kids together. Our oldest is 24, a boy. And we have a girl who's 22, a girl who's 21, just turned 21 in January. A girl is 19, and then we have a boy who's 17, boy who's 15. Okay. So you met in college. We did. Where did you go to college? Uh, Baptist Bible College. Okay. I couldn't, I didn't know if you were a graduate from there. Yeah. But you. Actually, TLC was significant in our life in the fact that I counseled the guys from Val's home church. Okay. And that's um, my friend at BBC when you were a pastoral major, you had to do internships at churches. So my buddy Jim did an internship at my at Val's home church. And so when he dropped the kids off for TLC, he said, I want you to check this girl out for me. I like her. <laughs> so I happened to counsel the guys from that church. So I asked questions about her. Um, I saw her. So I, when they left and Jim came, picked him up and said, she seems like a great girl to me. She's pleasant. She likes kids. Um, three weeks later, we met back at school. He went to another camp, fell in love with another girl. Kind of put Val, you know, he, she was plan B, I guess, because he went for this other girl. So that opened the door for me to walk right in when we came back for uh, college. Very cool. And some of your first dates were in the gym? Oh, yeah. yeah she rebounded for me. <laughs> That's nice. I, I played basketball in college, and um, I had a reputation for being in the gym early. I tried to be in the gym by about five, and so she would come rebound for me uh, in the mornings. That's and, true uh, love. That's a keeper. Yeah. That's a keeper. That's Did you awesome. hear that, boys? What what time was he in the gym? 5 a.m. A.m. that and, was. And she didn't put makeup on. I, that was one of the things that jumped out to me because there were some girls that offered to come rebound for me before, and they would put their makeup on. And I'm like, ugh. Like, I mean, I appreciate that, but like, no. That's not how life works. Yeah. Val rolled right out of bed like 5 of 5 and was there. <laughs> Um, tell us about your family growing up. What kind of family did you grow up in in Scroon Lake, New York? Tell us about your parents, um, and did you have siblings? I have a younger sister. Um, my mom and dad accepted Christ as their Savior when I was a little boy. Uh, my dad got saved, and it changed our life. Um, dad became very committed to, to wanting to please the Lord, so much so that when I was seven, I think he accepted Christ when I was six, he was an accountant, CPA. He worked for um, where I was born, was right outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where my mom and dad's family are from. Uh, he quit his job to use his gifts and abilities for the Lord. So we moved to Scroon Lake, New York, um, when I was six, actually. Um, about to turn seven, and he began working for Word of Life. Okay. And... Uh, my dad is German. My, he has two younger brothers. My dad's the oldest of three. My grandpa was a coal miner and a milkman. Tough guy. Um, my mom, this is what makes well, my mom's unique to begin with. My mom came from a unique family. She, my mom's Cherokee Indian. Her stepdad, one man... 
and a woman had 12 kids. That woman died giving birth to her 12th child. That man then married my grandma. My grandma came into that relationship with three kids out of wedlock, my mom being one of them. He fathered 12 more to my grandmother. So that man fathered 24 children. That's a lot of kids. So my grandma gave birth to 15 kids. They grew up dirt poor, moving in and out, drinking, fighting. They're Indians. Uh, I don't know if you guys know. My Uncle David got mad at my Uncle Bobby. Uncle David went and slashed Uncle Bobby's car, his tires, smashed his windshield. So Uncle Bobby, being a good brother he is, set Uncle David's house on fire. (laughs) That's kind of how. So my mom grew up in that. Um, my mother, you know, little kids fall down in the playground. Moms run up to them, make sure my mom never toughen up, get up. I had trouble with school, kid bullying. You say bullying, I guess it's today called bullying. Back then, it was just not kind. You know, he wanted gum. He said, "You bring me gum, and I'm gonna punch you." So I asked, "I'm in kindergarten, I want gum." My mom's like, "What's happened?" So I tell her, "After she's like, you punch that kid right in the face." <laughs> she's like, "You don't, no, 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 no." She said, if he has glasses, hit him right where his glasses are. So it's a little different mindset, right? Um, it's been neat to see God the more that they're in the Word. I've, I've seen my mom and dad in the Word in the mornings as a kid. And even now as an adult, my dad talks to me almost every day. He's 76, he runs, he's disciplined. He says, Mike, are you in the Word? What are you learning? How do you treat your wife? I appreciate that about him. You know, how, are you, how, are you, how are you showing your kids you love them? Um, mom is pretty tough. She's, uh, she's 76. No, she's 74. And she still cleans homes. That's what she does. She, she's a house cleaner. And she still has about 12 people that she cleans for. They still live in New York? They still live in Scream Lake. Okay. Yep. Cool. So how did you come to faith in Christ? When I was a little boy, after, shortly after my dad got saved, you know, we started going to church. When you first hear the story about hell, uh, I don't know about you, but I don't want to burn. And I went, we went to a youth rally, and guy was talking about hell, and I, you know, I don't really want to sign up for that. So I made a, I went home that night and prayed, but it wasn't, uh, I think I was, I was, uh, Seven. And as I grew, um, sports was my God. Uh, I got my identity from how I could play a game. Um, And that became of the utmost importance to me. And uh, through a series of events, I had some opportunities to go to school, get my school paid for. And... uh, through a series of events, those things got taken away. Uh, ended up going to Baptist Bible College. I knew how to say all the right things. Because I was, my dad, we had family devotions every night. He was always bringing the word in front of us. He related, he related the word of God to all kinds of things. Um, I go to BBC. And I was at a missions conference. And the guy that was there was from communist Russia. And he told a story. 
he told a story about they would meet in church because they couldn't meet in a building. So they meet in the woods. And they were there meeting. And uh, 40, 50 people. And the government found out about it and they crashed their, their meeting. And they put a Bible up front, group this size, and said, you can say you love this book, we're going to line you up, we're going to shoot you. Or you could spit on this book, deny it, and, and you walk free. And one by one, people did that. They walked up and spit on the Bible. Four or five people back, there was an elderly lady, she wiped the spit off the Bible, and she held it close to her chest, and they said, over here. By the time they, had, they were done, they whittled that group down to a small number. I can't remember exactly what, 70 people. And then they got their guns ready, and they said, ready, aim, stop. They were Christians too. And they said, we want to weed out the fakes because if the government finds out we're Christians, they'd kill our wives and kids. But we want to worship with you. So we have to get the fakes out of here. Hmm. I'm sitting next to my father. He said, what would you do? I said, you know what I would do. I'm out. He said, well, you need to make a decision. You need to think about that. And that night, I gave my life to Christ to want to please him, not because I wanted to not go to hell, because I realized how much God loved me. They sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin and to forgive me of my sins and that he wants a relationship with me. Uh, so I, I was 19 when I accepted Christ huh? and became serious about my faith, my relationship with God, not just fire insurance, so to speak. Yeah, amen, good. So you mentioned how you were into sports even at a young age. Uh, did you play all kinds of sports or mainly focused on basketball? Uh, I played um, I played football. I love football. Uh, I had to quit playing football because I was bruising my internal organs. Um, I played outside linebacker. I like to hit people. <laughs> but they were a lot bigger than me. Um, so after a game, like I would swell up inside. I'd have a bowel movement. It would be bloody. And my feet would swell up. My hands would swell up. I'd lose it. And then, then by Tuesday, it'd kind of go away. And so we'd play again Friday night. Um, and uh, the doctors decided it, it wasn't good. So, but I played football, basketball, baseball. Okay. My dad loves baseball. So I loved basketball, but I spent a lot of time. I was probably a better baseball player in high school okay. than I was basketball. Did you, just, did you know pretty early on in life you wanted to get into coaching? Um... Yeah. Okay. When I say our, like, you know, I wanted to play. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you, you know, as a kid, you have opinions. And uh, I thought, man, it would be kind of cool to get a group of people to surrender to one thing. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'd say, I'd probably say somewhere in high school, I thought that I, I kind of would like to be a coach. Yeah. What did you major in in college? Uh, physical education. So I was going to go to Siena University. I accepted a scholarship there to go there to play basketball. That's in New York State, right? That's right. In Albany, New York. Um, I wanted to do something with um, – I went in undecided, but I wanted, I wanted to be a farmer or a carpenter. I, I like those things, like working with wood. And um, I was in a cast because I had ripped my foot. And uh, 
I was there for five days and I withdrew. My roommate, I didn't sleep in my room one night. My roommate was from Africa and uh, he was entertaining girls. I don't think he ever went to class. I think all he did was smoke weed and entertain girls. Hmm. And uh, so it was, it's, it's awkward, you know. So uh, I didn't sleep in, didn't sleep in my room. Yeah. I slept outside. I didn't want to do that. And I, I couldn't, uh, I was injured. So uh, I left. Uh, so you majored in, uh, in physical ed. How did you, how did you get into preaching then? Did, <laughs> you, did you go to seminary? Did you? Nope. Okay. Um, they picked five guys off the basketball team my freshman year at BBC to go travel for the school. And I got chosen. And I was pretty excited about that because I'm a new Christian, hungry for the word, even though I knew it. I memorized it in, in things like Awana or Olympians, where life has an Olympian program. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did that all the way through. Um, and uh, the first time I ever spoke, I wasn't planning on speaking. I, I wanted to coach, be a phys ed teacher, maybe play a little bit if I could, and then after that, coach and teach. We pulled into a church right outside of Philadelphia, and um, church was about 800 people. And our coach said, he turned us in the back. He said, Derek, you're going to sing special music. Steve, you're going to give a testimony. And Mike, you're going to preach. I'm going to what? <laughs> yeah, you're going to preach. On what? <laughs> you know, we're not talking. You know, we're, we're 20 minutes away from, we're in the parking lot 20 minutes before the service starts. He said, tell him your heart. So that was the first night I spoke. And God did some pretty incredible things despite me being pretty nervous. And, uh, my coach said, I think you got a gift to, to communicate. And then God allowed me to have those opportunities and continue to have those opportunities to speak. So what did you preach on that night? Uh, I, sp I spoke on James, having faith, not just faith, but your works being evident in your faith. Because I think a lot of people, we say we love God, but our actions prove otherwise. Yeah. And um, God convicted me about that yeah. and I had plenty of illustration I mean I was a kid that grew up in the church that was dead mm -hmm. um, but, uh, I was a phys ed teacher yeah, but at BBC you major it's a double major so I majored in Bible and physical education Okay. so I, lo I, got, I learned how to study the Bible I learned about the Bible learned theology and uh, as a result of that yeah. what, what years did you coach at BBC? Um, I graduated in 92, 91-92 season. I was an assistant coach for two years, 92-93, 93-94, and then became the head coach at the start of the 94 season. And then I coached all the way through till the 2013-2014 season. Okay. So you, you must have only been about 25? I was 24 years old when I got named head coach. Wow. Now, did you were you responsible for recruiting you had to recruit because you was it a NCAA D three is that um, right or at least at, it became that at that time way back when when I first started we were NCCA National Christian College uh, Athletic Association Division two okay and then been like 
2005. Two, so. Actually, I think it was 2003. We began probation status to go Division Three, and then we I think we had three year like moratorium, and then we we were Division Three school. Okay. So yeah, I was responsible to recruit. But they they only gave me. I was kind of wild in college. Um, my freshman year, we would play the alumni. The team guys would come back from the alumni and play. There was a youth pastor that cheap shot at one of our guys. He was a senior. And so I told him, don't do that again. And he chose otherwise. So when he cheap shot him the second time, I broke his nose. I punched him in the face, laid him out. So I had a little reputation for a temper. And they asked me to be the head coach, but it was uh, probationary status in the first year. So I coached the first year under probation because I things like that when I was playing. Um, and God blessed us, and we had a good year. So they gave us another year of probation, and then after the second year, they said, it's yours if you want it. Nice. So, uh, so then does that mean that there's a recruiting story with Nathan? You recruited Nathan Grieve. What, what was it about Nathan that made you want him on your team? Actually, I recruited Nathan's older brother. <laughs> <laughs> and he turned me down, and he went to Cedarville. And Nathan's dad and Nathan came to our college for a visit. And I knew we ate lunch together. And I knew eating lunch, I wanted him. I could tell he was a hard worker. I, could just, I liked the way that he talked to me. He looked me in the eyes. I liked, I liked his demeanor. Um, and then when he played for me, hard worker, tough, gritty. I, and I, I, I obviously place importance and value on those things. He's a good teammate. Um, and he was good. That helps. But uh, the things that he was as a, as a young man, his character um, were important to us in our program. At BBC. So we all want to know what's your best Nathan Greaves story. <laughs> well, I, I shared. There are a couple. <laughs> you can share more than one. <clears throat> if you, uh, how many of your kids go to Grace? And you were in Chapel Middle School Chapel today. As you know, um, Nathan sweats a lot. Yes. More than the average person. That's true. So, there's two stories that come to mind. There's a, a young man that played with Nathan, and they, he, his name was Justin Cook. He didn't sweat. He slimed. <laughs> so, they would take their jerseys off after practice in our locker room, and they each had a locker. They would hang them up, the hooks. shoulder ringlets on hooks, and then the next day, it would dry like that. And then the next day they would take them out and they would stand up. They were so stiff. <laughs> um, referee was handing me a ball. Well, it wasn't handing me. Uh, taking, we were taking the ball bounds in front of our basket in the second half of a game. And the ref kind of held the ball to Nathan. And Nathan grabbed it. The ref took it back and said, we need another ball. <laughs> because he sweated on it so much. Um, I don't know if Nathan will wait for that. We used to tell our guys, we're Baptist Bible College, we represent Jesus Christ. And we would play Christian schools, but we play a lot of schools that weren't Christian. And we would tell them, this may be the only Jesus that they may see. So, how we conduct ourselves on the court, responding to officials, responding to correction, 
responding to me, responding to each other. Um, how we left the locker room. The goal, goal was to leave the locker room cleaner than what you found it. Not because it looks good at BBC, but because we want to represent our Lord the right way. And I went back. I would always go through it after the guys were out and check the locker room. And Nathan, many times, was the guy cleaning up the locker room. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Good. All right, Nathan, now we got to hear your best Mike Shaw story. Well, <clears throat> so I've he he told me he was going to ask me this, so I've been thinking about it all day. <laughs> um, so, as Coach has said, you know, he, he, he's very intense, um, very passionate about what he does, um, leading us, pointing us to the Lord first and foremost. But, um, you know, we, we as ball players didn't always do the things he wanted us to do, taught us to do. And so forth, and I can remember a couple stories in practice. Um, one particular time, I don't even know who he was mad at, but <clears throat> he got particularly angry, and he left. Went into the hallway right there off the baseline. There was a door, and the hallway back to our locker room. And he was in there, and he came back, and he was composed. And we we're like, okay, you know, coach just had a moment. He he's ready now. What we didn't know was when he went in there, there was there was a, a dumbbell, okay, that held the door open. You remember this? I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I get to tell this story. <clears throat> so it, I think it was a 10, 15 pound, it, heavy for what he was doing with it. Picked it up and threw it down the hallway because he was mad at us. It was our fault. <clears throat> There's a brick wall about from me, uh, from us to that wall, and it, it, they're not there anymore. Did you know that? They no, covered they it. They fixed it. But <laughs> there, there were two holes shaped like the dumbbell was in that brick wall. It was 25 pounds. 25 pounds? Okay. It was, it was big. None of us could have done that. And, and there, were, there were holes in the wall. Um, my freshman year, Coach and I, or my, my roommate and I, go up to see Coach. He, every year, Coach got us Christmas gifts. We, we got, I'm wearing these pants, that hoodie there. We, we got team gear at the beginning of the year, and every year for Christmas, out of his own pocket, he and his wife would buy the whole team gifts. Freshman year, he, they bought us two long sleeve, dry fit, very nice shirts. And he's, he told us at it practice, he said, they'll be here, come get him from my office. So we go up there, and uh, he's, he, uh, he's in there talking on the phone or something, so we waited politely or whatever, and then he, he comes to the door to you know welcome us into his office. He says, good afternoon, boys, and then he proceeds to take his door and headbutt it. And now there is a hole in the door where he headbutted his door just because and that's just I mean coach does those things he then proceeded to put a poster over it so it didn't look so tacky um but some of the some of the better stories um just the time spent with coach um I had the opportunity to play golf also at, at school, and so we got to spend hours and hours on the golf course together. Golf camp, 
up in Scroon Lake, New York, and Lake Placid. Um, we'd hit our we we'd hit our tee shots, and you know they'd be out there. His would be in the fairway, ours would be wherever. And then he and then he would, as crazy as he is, he'd say, "Race you to the ball," and he'd just take off with his golf bag on him, clubs jingling around behind him literally sprinting down the middle of the fairway to race us to the we just we had a lot of fun together um but one of the probably one of the most memorable times was when we got to work together um both in practice um but at bbc when the college would have an event a meal or a, a special chapel or something we'd have to set up chairs or we'd have to set up tables or something. And I remember freshman year, they got, they would rent these huge six foot round tables and they would always be in the corner. The deliver, they deliver into the corner and we'd have to set them up all over the gym. Right. And so we we're there to help coach. And, um, naturally we, we start getting to work right away. We take the first one off, we roll it five feet and we set it up right there. And we we go back and get the next one. Coach is not doing that. He's getting a table off. He is literally rolling it as he is defensive sliding quickly, rolling it across the gym to the far end, setting it up, and then literally sprinting back to the pile because he, he was he's ready to get the new one. So now we you know we followed suit and we were. Taking it further, we do the hard work first and then the easy work. But that, that, or though I have memory after memory of, of those kinds of things where um, he led us serving others by example. Um, and those are the kind of memories that I will cherish for a lifetime because, you know, that's, that's just who he is. And he, he lived it out right in front of us, just being a servant and loving people and serving people. So those are a few yeah. of the Coach Al stories. Some, some involve destroying things and some don't. Yeah. Good. Um, but I want both of you to kind of weigh in on this, on this one. But uh, I've found, because I've done some coaching as well, it, it seemed like coaching is a pretty natural way to disciple uh, young guys you know, or, or girls. But um, I want you to talk about maybe just how similar it is. Like, how is how is coaching allowed you to disciple guys? And and Nathan even being an example now of kind of carrying that on and him doing the same thing, you know, passing on a lot of things he's learned from you to others. So, how did how is coaching allowed you the opportunity to disciple people? How closely related are those fields? I think sports, athletics. Well, Paul writes about it all the time. New Testament. It can relate very easy to life. Where else can you fail and it get published in a paper, put on the news? It's humbling. You know, it doesn't say that my, my daughters play violin. You know, when they mess up, it doesn't go in the paper, it doesn't go in the news. You lose an athletic contest, it's on the news, it's in the paper. So there's, there's an element of that. Failure, you know, baseball, you hit 300, that's considered pretty good. Well, you failed seven times. That's not good. Out of 10, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I had the privilege of coaching college, so guys are away from their families. Uh, one of the things that, that I did that God allowed us to do is I would meet with each guy each week for half an hour in individual meetings. And we wouldn't talk about a lot about basketball. We would talk about their life. I wanted them to know that I cared about them. And I was interested in them. I'd ask them how they're doing reading their Bible. I'd ask them how they were doing, how they, what they were learning when they read, where they read. Of course, most guys are like, oh, I did, I'm doing good. Well, how many times did you read this week? Twice. That's not good. If you ate twice this week, that'd be a good week? No. Well, that's the same idea. And then I'd, you know, one's last time I talked to my, I, I, I would ask questions that they would, you know, you remember we picked something we would deny ourselves. I think part of discipleship is, you know, you got to lead by example and serve. We would pick something that we would deny ourselves of for that week. Like I, I was, one of the things I, I, I didn't like it, but I liked to do it is during the month of February when it gets cold, I would take cold showers. I would try to teach my mind to control my body. Because that's, Paul says, we're to, to deny ourselves. I take up my cross daily and follow. Mm-hmm. So the idea of trying to help guys understand that skill set of denying themselves. Their body may want something. They might want Coca-Cola. I don't drink Coke for a week. Just learn to develop those habits of telling yourself no. Your mind controlling your body. Um, it's the same skill set that helps us to, to deny sin. Um, but, uh, you know, practice, there's all kinds of things that life situations come up in practice. If you take shortcuts in little things, you'll take shortcuts in big things. If you're self-absorbed in certain things, it's easy to be self-absorbed, you know, uh, when you get older. Um, you have a long day at work. You allow outside circumstances to affect you, an official, uh, a teammate that you don't get along with, a situation that you think you're not getting the benefit of the doubt on, all those things can be applied to life. Yeah. And I, I, would, I love to um, have the opportunity to apply that and help guys just not just become better basketball players so that we win a game, but more importantly, the big picture of mine that they're, they would grow in their walk with Christ, become better husbands, fathers, employees, uh, and point people to Christ. Yeah. Well, yeah, I obviously followed a great example in in this kind of thing, you know, trying to help young men grow and mature in certain areas. Um, you know, I remember being in those meetings Coach talked about, um, and, you know, I didn't speak about it earlier, but those uh, certainly have – um, a lot of memories in there, you know, we've in, in those individual meetings, like coach talked about, we, we talked about life. We talked about the good things that, um, were encouraging and, and fun and exciting. Um, we also talked about, you know, the sad things. Um, my, my grandpa died when, when I was in college and that was, that was hard for me. Mm-hmm. We, we had practice that day and I didn't want to go to practice. But when I went to practice, you know, being around the guys and being around coach was it, it was healing um, for me then. Um, you know, in, in our day and age, and I was talking with this about this with coach 
this week while he's been here. We don't, as as a global church, I don't I don't think we have a a good way, um, a good system, so to speak, of being able to share sin struggles with one another, like I think the Bible commands us to. Um, you know, the Bible says, "Confess your sins to one another," um, and that's not, you know, broadcast them in the paper on the news or anything like that, but. I think in individual meetings, and that was part of Coach's meeting with us, he asked us very specifically, how are you doing with this sin struggle? How are you doing in this area? You know, we, all, we were college students. We all had girlfriends. You know, a lot of us. Not all of us. <laughs> Cook didn't. <laughs> um, but we had girlfriends, and, and Coach asked us, how are you treating your girlfriend? Are you honoring her? Um, and, and those sorts of things. That those those meetings literally changed my life, um, and so having experienced that kind of discipleship from coach, you know, as I as I coach young men myself, I try to fit those kinds of things in. It's different because you know being in a college basketball program is a little bit different from being in a middle school basketball program but um you know I'm always trying to find different ways that I can speak truth from God's word in into uh my players and to help them see how disciplining yourself in in practice and in these little things and so forth help and and they relate so well and so equally I think to um to life, and you know, when Coach, Coach talked about uh, the denying ourselves things, I, I do that with my um, ninth grade health students. Um, we we I, I print out a paper, and they write it out, and they they write what they're going to deny themselves, and then I they write down who they're going to talk to about it. And so I, I tell them, you know, talk to you remember this? No, you did it right, um, and you're going to do it in a couple of weeks and yeah Bryce you did it right we denied ourselves for a week two weeks of Fortnite or whatever else you guys choose right because because the, like coach said and I, I've seen it in my own life those skills that I built telling myself no I'm I'm going to resist they're the, they're the same skills that you know, we have to deny ourselves when we're tempted to sin and rebel against the Lord. And and we talked about those things. And I hate cold showers, but one of the one of the Christmas breaks where we had two two and a half weeks off, and we we were able to go home, be with our family. The one the one year, like half of us, that's what we denied ourselves for the week, and that was the worst Christmas <laughs> break ever. But it was it was good, um, and I think through those things, that's that's what true discipleship yeah. is, and that's what true accountability is. Being able to talk about those things. My dad, um, he was really good at taking sports and related to life. I, I remember I was a high school junior, and we lost to our rival at their place. I shot three for seventeen from the field. 
Um, my junior year, God allowed me to average right around 35 points a game. And I, I shot my sophomore year. I had, at one point, I had the New York State record for field goal percentage. I shot 74% on the year from the field. So I wasn't a kid that was used to going three for 17. And um, I'll never forget that game. Because my dad, I walked off the court and he goes, you were awful tonight. You know, most people, I watched parents, oh, it's okay. My mom was behind him and she goes, you were worse than awful. <laughs> and I'll never forget what my dad said. But I still love you. Because I've talked to Coach Bowman. I had a paper route, and I would get up um, at 3.45 in the morning and go into town and do my papers and then come back home and get ready for school. That was a Friday night we lost. My dad said, I talked to Coach Bowman, so when you get home at 5.30 tomorrow, we're going to the gym, and we're going to make 1,000 shots. However long it takes you. And we went in the gym, and we made 1,000 shots. And after we were done... He said, Mike, God loves you too, despite all the things that you do to hurt him. And I thought it was pretty cool how he related that. You know, uh, when you do things well, you're not as sensitive to the Lord as you should be. But when we fail, we seem to be more sensitive to the Lord, right? Um, I remember, like, I think that's part of discipleship, is true honesty and trust that's built. Um, we would have honest conversations. Um, I think that's important. Yeah. Uh, just a few more minutes, so we'll kind of go maybe rapid fire here. So you transitioned after BBC. You, we talked yesterday about how you, you went and uh, took over. You were principal of a school, is that right? I was in New York. principal of a Christian school in New York State for four years. We talked about that in chapel. Uh, but now you're back at BBC in your recruiting role. So how often are you at schools and churches doing things like this, speaking, recruiting? Every day. Okay. Um, Grace, I believe, is my 87th school since September 1st. Okay. Wow. So some, some you're down here like you are for a week, and others you're just gone for a day. Yeah, speaking, speaking. in chapel, meeting with a guidance counselor, talking to kids. Good. Where do you attend church? Heritage Baptist Church. Okay. In Clark Summit. In Clark Summit. Glenn Amos is the pastor. Glenn Amos is our pastor. Okay. Now, do you have a role at that church, or do you, like, you teach Sunday school? Well, are you involved uh, um, in other ways? part of learning surrender so we were members of that church for 20 years but we moved away and we became members of another church so heritage has a a, a law rule that you cannot be involved in teaching or anything until you're um been in church for a year so we've got to wait a year till we can start to be involved in things good who are your favorite sports teams now Pittsburgh Steelers, Penn State Nittany Lions football, um, Pittsburgh Pirates, Pittsburgh Penguins, and Villanova Wildcats. Okay. You like to read? I do. What, uh, what's, what's some of your favorite books? Lead Like Jesus by Ken Blanchard. High Five by Ken Blanchard. I read that one once or twice. Um, he did. <laughs> we used to make the guy the book reports. Uh, I'm reading a book right now, uh, Love Like You've Never Been Hurt 
by Janice and Franklin. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite book of the Bible or Bible story, Bible character? James. Okay. It's practical. I didn't know that. That's my favorite. All right. You've got 30 seconds to give the students here a pitch for Clark Summit University. <laughs> Go. A lot of people are going to tell you to go to the school what you can get out of it you want to go to school what people are going to put into you they're going to build into you um, our motto is Christ-centered career ready we want to teach you to use the gifts that you have to point people to Christ career ready but we want you to do so to glorify God that's the Christ-centered part I probably got about five more seconds left and uh, people will care about you not for what you can do for them, but they'll genuinely care about you for you. Yeah. How can we pray for you this week and going forward in your ministry? Um, I'm old. I'm 50. 87 schools is a lot of schools. And uh, I've got my goal is to try to get 150 schools by June. It's a lot of miles, a lot of driving, so I would appreciate if you pray for strength. Uh, I get tired. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was driving back from a school. I got tired, so I pulled off the side of the road. I was doing push-ups outside my car, I got, and a cop pulled me. I see the lights. I'm on the ground doing push-ups, and I see the lights. I'm like, oh, they must have got somebody. It was me. His flashlight. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm tired. So he's doing push-ups, naturally. I want to get the blood flowing. So I said, I'm going to go run touch that stop sign. You want to come? He's like, no. <laughs> um, so if you could pray for strength. Um, uh, my wife, I miss my wife. I miss my kids when I, when I have to go away. Um, just pray that, you know, God keeps them safe and that they point people to Christ. Yeah. Why don't we pray for you now as we wrap this time up? <clears throat> Father, we're grateful that you've worked it out so that Coach Xiao can be here this week and uh, speak to the students at the academy, but also that we've had this time tonight to get to know him a little better and learn uh, just about his life and his ministry that you've given him and we do pray for especially just all the traveling that he's doing uh, as he's in schools pretty regularly as he's visiting churches as he's recruiting Lord we pray that that you will draw students to Clark Summit University yes. because of of the work that he's putting in so that you'd honor his efforts uh, we do pray for his wife and kids as as they um, kind of go about business as usual at home while he's on the road and just so you'll give them uh, sweet times while they're able to be together. Uh, Lord, I pray for this week as he continues to speak to students here. Uh, Lord, we ask that through him your word to be made very clear, that your gospel be presented clearly, that students would be convicted about following you and, and uh, committing their lives to you. And uh, thank you for the, the impact that he's had uh, through us, through um, Nathan's life. And I know that, that other guys around the world are, are ministering similarly because of the way you've used Coach Xiao in their lives. So thank you that we get to, to be, uh, uh, be blessed in that way, um, kind of secondhand. And so we pray you'll continue to do that for many folks uh, through him as he goes forward. Thanks again for this time tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You guys thank him for being with us uh, tonight.